0: Oh, the technical boomer issues. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for episode nine of Ready, Set, Shag. I'm your host, The Shagsworth. Uh, today, I'm joined by some really great people. I was able to track uh, track them down uh, after some back and forth. But uh, we got writer, director, producer, Jonathan Salemi here. He's a visionary director who has made a notable impact in the world of filmmaking. Excuse me. With a keen eye for storytelling, a distinctive artistic style, Selemi has uh, crafted visually stunning and emotionally resonant films. His unique approach to the directing brings uh, forth compelling performances from actors, creating immersive and thought-provoking cinematic experiences. Known for his versatility, Salemi has uh, successfully navigated various genres from intimate character dramas to thrilling action films, uh, showcasing his ability to captivate the audiences across different narratives. With each project, Salemi continues to push boundaries, leaving a lasting impression through his creativity and passion for storytelling. Um, In addition, we are joined by the lead actor for The Last Deal, uh, Salemi's newest film. Uh, Anthony is a highly skilled actor, stuntman, and martial artist known for his exceptional performances in film and television. With a background in various combat sports, he brings authenticity and athleticism to his roles, captivating audiences with his his fight scenes and daring stunts. Molinari's extensive filmography, filmography, excuse me, includes collaborations with renowned directors and stars showcasing his versatility, and dedication to his craft. So, without further ado, I'm going to bring these gentlemen on here, Jonathan and Anthony. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. How are you?
1: Great, great. Thanks for having us. Likewise, yeah, I appreciate thank it. You. That was an impressive intro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't have the budget that you guys are working with. I do a lot of this stuff myself, but you know, you got to start somewhere. And like I said, I wanted to try and uh, showcase you guys a little bit uh, and encapsulate your careers in in a paragraph, which is which is really hard because you guys have been. I mean, you guys have been hardworking for um, decades now. So, uh, but yeah, I wanted to have you on because, well, I heard of your movie probably a few months ago now, uh, and I was I was immediately captivated by it because for me I'm, I've been highly critical of Hollywood as of late, and um, watching your film sort of just brought me back to a nice, like simplistic, like A to B storytelling. Uh, great acting, uh, and just and from some people who I was familiar with, but also introducing some new people to me. Um, so I wanted to have you know, hopefully, had the opportunity to sit down and talk with you guys about sort of where this movie you know came from, and then also get into where you guys have been. Um, so I guess really starting with with you, Jonathan, like since this is your your brainchild essentially, where where did this movie sort of spawned from uh
2: thank you so it came from basically me looking for i wasn't getting enough opportunities to direct a feature so i needed to make something commercial that people would watch and so what i did was i made a a a checklist of all things that i I had access to and that was like marijuana farms um i had a good friend carl who's very in touch with stunt performers anthony right there um airplanes, locations. So I knew about Los Angeles. I've been here for over 15 years. So I knew about locations where I could shoot and stuff like that. So I had this checklist and I needed a commercial idea for how to bring that checklist to life. And then around 2019 um, in October, I watched the old Casavetti's film from the 70s um, with a gambler, gentleman's club kind of guy. And he and he gets involved with the wrong people because he's a debt. And I said, Hey, you know, I think I think what I have as far as with the marijuana backdrop can fit in with this story. And and the film was done very indie. You know, he's one of the original indie directors. And I was like, hey, I can make that. I just need a good DP and some actors and, and we can go off. And so that was the genesis behind it. And then yeah, and then it, it just it just like snowballed really quickly after that.
0: I, I did notice too, in like the title cards that this is based on a true story. How, there's a few there's a few moments in this movie where I thought like, woof, like, I mean, cause it, it gets graphic at times. Um, so like how, how um, I guess how accurate is the, you know, based on a true story. Cause I know a lot of creative liberties can be taken sometimes, but I just sort of want to get an idea of where, where yeah, it's real.
2: You know, it, it's on two fronts. One is the um, uh, safe banking legislation and uh, legalization of cannabis in 2016. So that's totally legit of these um, black market dealers not being able to obtain a license and 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 getting squeezed out uh, because now big money's coming in and and they're resorting to to unconventional means. So that's the first part of the base on true story. The Second part is the main character is based off one of my best friends. No way. So, yeah, I was actually out with him last night. Um, Spivey Anthony met him, and um, <laughs> and and he started as a grower and then had a dispensary and couldn't get a license and had run-ins with bad people and um, and he's now pretty much retired. He's kind of fallen like kind of prophetic like or in some ways the ending of our film has now become the ending of of what he's doing right now he's retired and just wants to go back to growing so the ending the the ending came about the, the ending of the movie came about before spivey who's the real person created his ending but it just that's kind of what happened so that's that's the the true story part
0: that's really cool um You know, because that's one of the things I really liked about the movie was the ending was just so like, like as as, uh, angsty as like a lot of points in the movie made me where I was like, like, what's going to happen? Like, you know, you know, is is Vince going to come out of this on top? Like, because I don't you know, I, I wasn't sure. But seeing where he ends up kind of coming full circle and just seeing and Anthony, you do such a good job at at bringing this out. Like, I think that's something that great actors do is they they make you believe that this is the person, you know, like you, you generally have a breath of fresh air at the end and you can return to just growing and, you know, to, to somewhat of a peaceful life and sort of see how that, that arc ramps up as you, as you realize in the beginning that things are not like things are sort of spiraling out of control and you see the writing on the wall. um, And then you finally get to that, even though in, in the midst like great loss, you know, friends and all that. But, uh, so I really I want to compliment you on on such a great job uh, acting, but um I really wanted to, I, and I wanted to kind of pivot to you and and ask what, you know, being a, a career stuntman like how did, how did you like, was was acting something that you always wanted to like sort of get into and and this being a stuntman was your entry to that or or how did that go?
1: Uh, yeah, thank you. The to me it was something that developed over time it wasn't something that i ever really had a d- desire as a kid it was not my long lost dream to go and become an actor um, even as a stuntman observing the lives of actors i was like oh no way yeah. <laughs> but i think as my career went on and it got more and more successful my body became <laughs> more and more beat up yeah. i was like i gotta find it out and um and ironically enough like I, at the time that the business was transforming. So it was going from like, Hey, stunt men do the action actors do the acting. And that's it. The line is drawn. But about 10 years after I got it, they kind of started saying, Hey, we want action actors. And we're like, Oh, this is not good. Right. So in our sense, we just, well, one, not a lot of guys can act in our, in the stunt world. Um, so it was a, it just made a smaller group of guys. And that's kind of, once I got into that small group and little, that unique trait that other stunt guys didn't have, I started taking a hard look at it and be like, you know what, you've reached this kind of, uh, I feel like there's not much further to go in the career, even though as far as the stunts was. and And I looked at this mammoth of a mountain for acting and I was like, oh wow, okay, you know what? I'm getting excited about this. And so I think those were the kind of steps that kind of came about was just me slowly growing to see this opportunity uh, right in front of me. That's really the path that I know I should be going down because it's going to make me the best person at the end.
0: Right. Was there, was there a role or was there a, yeah, I guess a role that you were in that really sort of solidified or maybe created a new passion for, for acting for you.
1: I I think uh, definitely the fighters where it cracked I got a lot of feedback from people. People just came out of the way, like, Hey, man, you got something. You got something. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> They're like, no, you got it. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want to do that acting stuff, man. That's not me. So I fought it for a little while, but that's the... I think that was the crack, the, the, the light of acting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I mean, and... I was going to say, like, the... And, and that's something I... After after researching you guys more and and looking back at your previous roles, I went back and kind of watched, I watched a a good portion of the fighter again. And, uh, and it really was, it was a really great, like seeing, I mean, to me, when I look at that scene versus where you are now, like, I just see the same like acting chops and I know you've grown, I'm sure you could say like you've grown, but there's, there was such a depth to that, even in the short time that you're on screen. Um, like, was there like even like when you're on the set of let's say you know of the fighter like when you're acting alongside mark Wahlberg and christian bale is that something that you're like are you like giddy at that moment like or or is there or have you been around enough celebrities at that point to
1: no i think you know what thank god i have this ability to kind of just let go of stuff so it's it there's a few actors out there but like um but, like, it's really the director. It was, I mean, it was David O. Russell that just put me in a frame of mind. And, and Jonathan was great at it, too, in his own special way. Very different, uniquely different. But, like, as a director, finding this, this motivation, these act, the, these ways to trip up your actors to get them, like, out of their head and into, the like, the moment. And mm-hmm. I think that was what he was great at, both of them. Had this exceptional ability to, like, guide you to not even guide you, trip you, trip, fool you, or even like um, use his methods to kind of get you into a space of like being present right now okay. is what it's all about.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Um,
0: Jonathan, back to you. I, I wanted to, you know, kind of encircling back to the last deal. Is there, was there like, a, you know, especially since that film has sort of gotten a lot of people's attention, um, do you, was there like a an intended message that you're trying to convey through that project? Um, and, and why was that message particularly important to you?
2: Um, I didn't really have like a message that I was trying to uh, put out there with it. Like, like, like that's, that's like, like front and, and, and center. For me, the movie was, was more themed on where I was in life at that time. So like I was saying before, I wasn't getting the opportunities to direct. I don't, I didn't know if I was going to get any more from, from here. So it was my last deal. And, and so I put myself in that place of this character who's just so behind and, and like, he's behind the eight ball and just has to do everything possible to, to come out. So that, for me, was the kind of theme and, and that anxiety, which Anthony did a great job showing with, with, with the main character. That anxiety was what carried the film forward. So that, for me, was the message.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly... And I think I think that's a one of those messages that I think a lot of people miss out on is that sort of last ditch effort, you know, putting everything you have into something, especially when you've made a you've been successful at it for so long. And then, I mean, I and mean, even if you want to dig even deeper into like you know government taking control of certain aspects of of industry, you know, like you could say like that even can ruin things and and put yeah it's being squeezed out, you know, right? No, exactly. Um, there there was a there's a question that came through on a super chat. Um, John, the next season the, the Sox gonna bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> if
2: if they make trades and, and and are successful in the winter meetings, but they've proven nothing that they want to win. Um I don't see it. Um <laughs> Anthony may have a different take, but uh the Oakland A's had, had a game a couple of days ago and the whole uh, fan base started chanting "sell the team." I think. And, and oh wow! I think the Red Sox should do the same thing. It's uh, don't get <laughs> me started. It's a, it's a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> Th-
0: this may be a stupid question, but are you guys both diehard Sox fans? B- Boston by default. I
1: mean, it's like yeah. The only other fan I ever once was when I was a little kid was a Chicago Bears fan, and that was because of Walter Payton. But once they didn't give him the ball and the one, that was it. I was done. Doing <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. We, we established
0: before the show that um, all of us are from New England. So uh, I, I come from Connecticut. But uh, I, I got a lot of crap growing up because um, I was a, I was a Yankees fan. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there, Connecticut's a weird state because it's like a 50-50 divide. Is like you have Yankee fans and you have Boston fans and most of my friends were Boston fans so i had to hear about it all the time and in 2003 when that whole uh when that postseason was going on like it was it was a madhouse um, yeah. uh, around my around my town but anyways i digress yeah. uh, <laughs> the uh th- there's a there's actually a question I, for both of you you guys take however much time you want but there's um is is there is there a genre of film that you guys haven't dabbled in yet that you are like you really want to get into or at least want to try let's start with jonathan um i'd like to try a horror
2: it kind of it kind of hits the same beats as an action film you have suspense and um action and killings which i (laughs) kind of (laughs) like
1: um anthony what do you think what do you yeah it's funny you ask that because just yesterday i had this like I definitely want to do an action comedy. Like, I, I I was just talking to some producer about it and just like, hey, it's that duo, that really cool duo of like the old, like Abbott and Costello, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Jerry Lewis, where there's one like goofy guy and one serious guy, like the, um, like, you know, Rock and um, uh, Kevin Hart. So, yeah. like, these like, I mean, like Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte. So, like, I'm like, I'm looking to, uh, yeah. Find a partner that's hilariously goofy funny and, um, and yeah, kind of maybe come up with something along those lines right now.
0: Okay.
2: It's because that could be you. <laughs> like, it, like, like it, you could play either of those characters. You could play oh, the serious one or, or the funny one. It, it, Anthony's an amazing actor. Like, he, um, and he's so grounded, which I think makes him so funny. It's so truthful. I'm not sure if you saw Barry. He was in last season, Barry. It's, i saw the clip
0: i haven't watched the i haven't watched that show it's one that um that people have told me like i should check out um so it's it's one that and when i saw your clip i was like "Oh, okay i will definitely check this show out for sure
1: yeah it's funny because like it started off with just like an audition i remember i just started wearing glasses so it was my first glasses audition and i booked it and i was like oh this is great and i made a, a conscious effort to make the glasses a part of the character and then like That all that little tiny role, you put on a tiny, I took a little risk and he saw it and he was like, I love that. He goes, You're, and then he brings me back and brings me back for a third time. He was just like, It's funny how if somebody likes you in this business, they will find a way to work you into their system. And like, I think that's kind of really what I attribute most of my success to is just being likable. And I mean, like, just like bringing, just leaving the place a little bit better off than the way you found it. And, right. uh, and it's just like, they, it, it's amazing how that attitude can take you so far, not probably just in this business, but in life, as opposed to like being the most talented person in the entire world, but you're just a heel to hang out with.
0: Right. <laughs> learning to learning to just like have fun in the moment, not take things too seriously, you know, cause like life is short. So just enjoy it. We're on a yeah. movie set. I mean, if you
1: look at the perspective of it, right. We're like, we're, we're a speck in this massive space of universes. And we're, we're, we even a speck on this globe, which is a speck in the whole. And then we worry about getting rejected or 90 from an audition or wearing, like driving a nice car, or not having, putting almond milk into our cappuccino, whatever. <laughs> am I mean? yeah. It's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like, come on, put this perspective into this man. We're here for maybe 80 years. Like let mm-hmm. it go.
0: Oh, I have an existential crisis about once a week. Um, I, I'm a new dad. So I have a six year old now oh, and a four year old. Um, and it's all new to me. You know, it's like uh, I, I've had many great discussions about this, but, uh, you know, realizing that, uh, finally realizing that my parents were just in the same exact position I was, not knowing what they're doing. Um, yeah. And then, like, so like the blame that I put on them, like I've long forgiven myself and my parents for what how I acted and how everything went. But like, as you learn as a parent, you start to really uncover like, this is a trial by fire. And then once you get through that fire, it's another fire and it's <laughs> it's wild. So um,
1: no, you're, you're right. But you just pray for those fires to come because the more fires come, the more you figure it out. And the stronger you are after you fight that fire and put it out. Yep. Right? So it's just it's just it's a constant having children is like to me is the greatest transformational gift I've ever had. Yeah. Like I I've literally said no to more projects since I've had kids than I ever did my entire career. And that was because they're they're still kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I've learned so much from the power of no too. And that's just like out of respect for yourself.
0: I actually just saw a um, it was a clip from an interview with a, the, the actor sitter uh, at the round table there. I don't even remember. I just always see those clips. But it was Michael Keaton talking about how he was like, you know, after after my kids were born, he's like, I just, you know, I kind of stopped acting because you just don't get those moments back. And he's like, and, and you know, you say no, but like something will come along down the road and you'll either do it or you won't And it was such a the only way you understand that is like when you're a parent or you have someone that you're like taking care of and raising like it. Yeah. Like, can you agree? Like. 100%, like 100%. And,
1: and it's, to to me, it's gonna make your life so much easier if you put the time, if you're working smart, not hard. Like if I just went to work and worked hard and didn't worry about the kids, that's not smart because those kids are gonna be a pain in my butt down the road, Right? unless I put the time in now. If I just put these good six, seven years in right here, the first seven, eight years of their life, yep. I really show up for them as a dad, boom. The next 50 years. I've set myself up to win using mean, not having to worry about like, I mean, I feel like I've really set them up to win and myself. Right. Yeah.
0: No, it's cool. Um, uh, Mr. Grant Gregory put in here too. And I did get a chance to watch this. Uh, he said action comedy, like your AT&T commercial. That was real, and like, I, that's wow, one of those things, cool. you know, it's, <laughs> it's the range, you know, it was fun. It like, you know, not over the top action, obviously, but yeah. you're blending that stunt and then your, your ability to be funny, you know, even through a, you know, 45 second spot.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, it was <laughs> And like, and the, the, what was it? Maybe the fifth stair fall, I cracked my head open. So I had to do the wrestling commercial with like super glue and, and stuff like, cause I was the spokesperson. I wasn't the guy, but that was probably <laughs> the epitome of my stunt career where like ice packs on my head and my knees soaking it in an Epsom salt bath the night before I go to do 11 car hits and uh, like seven falls through a ceiling. It was just like, that one where I was like, you need to figure out a different career, man. <laughs> but I was on the path. It was right there in front of me. I was acting and uh, I was pulling it off. So, yeah, uh,
0: thanks. Slam dunk, man. No, that was great. <laughs> I, uh, my, well, because, you know, as, as I'm preparing for all this, my, my, my good friend, uh, actually, Mr. Grant Gregory there, he was he was like, hey, have you seen this? Like, this is a great clip. And after I watched it, I was like, I remember seeing that commercial, you know, like that was, <laughs> you know, and. Now getting a chance to talk to the guy who was, who was doing it is, is uh, you know, it's like a dream. But uh, what is what I mean, because I want, you know, watching that and seeing you get hit by a car. So it's like 11 take. You're getting hit by a car 11 times.
1: Yeah, I think we had eight windshields and they were like, please try to break, try not to break it. But the director <laughs> was like, um, it's interesting. Jonathan didn't think had to do with it as much, which was amazing. But like Jonathan, he would. The way he was directing this particular director was shooting them all in oneers. He goes, "I want everything in a oneer because I have no control in the editing room. As soon as I give this over, it's out of my hands. So I want them to have l- limited liberties on how to edit." And where Jonathan had all the liberties in the world which was just—I ra- mean, I don't know if it's a rarity, but sometimes I find it to be a gift as a director, like he did in *The Last Deal*, was to have complete creative control. I mean, that was—that was just. I mean to know that John had complete creative control and it come out the way it did was just really super impressive. Like, like really beyond impressive. Watching him and how many traits he has and understands so many departments. It's it was like very inspiring. But the same thing with that particular director, he shot it all in wonders because he knew he was limited. Yep. And uh yeah, it was uh yeah, I like got away with a couple that I didn't break, but the director was like, hey, I just want you to hit it. Roll over it. I want you to slide off the back of it like you're sliding home and home plate, and you do like a stand up right after it. And I'm like, you know, this is a car hit, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> <it was> spinning <laughs> in the air. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it worked. was out.
2: your intro into that? You flew through a window like a woman was watching TV, and then you
1: crashed through the window or something. Yeah, yeah. She's she's <laughs> vacuuming. That was after I cracked my head open. Yeah. It, Oh, it was man. cool we used an apple box so i could get up a little bit higher but the higher spot, like even that temp even those glass that tempered glass like when you land on that stuff it's it's landing on a bed of glass so you just literally like plucking little pieces of glass out of oh.
0: do they like what do they use for like when it comes to glass is there like what is the prop glass because you're obviously you're not going through like real glass because that would
1: be dangerous. No, you, you you are well okay so you are and that so like the way, okay, so you got to kind of trade off, right? There's the candy glass that breaks in big pieces, you know what I mean? Yep. And like, it doesn't look like modern glass. It looks like old house glass because that's how they used to make it until everything became tempered, which bah, just turns into like thousands of little pieces of glass. And so um, we usually, so what we'll do is we'll have a popper, like somebody will pop it, the, your, your special effects, guy will hit the the, the hammer, the poppers on the corners, pow, and it'll hit the door. and. As that shatters, you jump through it, so you're not hitting the glass. You're going through kind of shattered glass, ideally. But again, still that's landing the on beautiful it. part of it. It's the landing that like always gets me, man. It always gets me. Yeah. Um,
0: was Was there any moments on the side of The Last Deal that uh, that you like hurt yourself? That there or like close calls where you're like, "Oof! Like, gotta be careful." Um,
1: Jonathan.
2: I don't think so. Like, I think the most dangerous thing you do is jumping over the fence, right? <laughs> I
1: don't know. Was that jump? Oh, the jump over the fence. Yeah, yeah, that one actually was actually. Uh, I was kind of scared of it. I was like, don't break an ankle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. No, I was thinking about more of the emotions of Mama's Ranch. <laughs> I think that might have been the most dangerous part of our whole thing was maybe the drive home from Mama's Ranch. Oh, yeah, yeah We were yeah. beating ourselves up so bad because we thought it went so terribly wrong when it actually turned out to be so terribly good.
0: What did, so he, what did you think went wrong with that?
1: He's talking Everybody. about he's talking about the, the
2: ranch scene and just a little background. We It was the only day that I think we did overtime, right? Like, like yeah, I think. Or like was, a lot of overtime. Like, yeah, it wasn't a lot. I, I think it was, it was. Like 16 hours, I think, or something like that. 16, yeah. maybe 16 and a half. And so we were out in Mojave, which is about an hour, hour and a half from L. A. And, uh,
1: yeah. and drive home. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's like building a house, you know what I mean? Making a movie, and like sometimes, like it just doesn't go smooth. Like the, the inspector cancels it as an and you're just like, "Oh my god, this is terrible!" And yeah. we thought that, and then lo and behold they end up being some of the, the best gems of the movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like we were certain, at least I was, that I was going to have to do pickups, like go all the way back, pick some stuff up. It wasn't going to work. It was dialogue that wasn't working. So We had to rewrite it on set. Um, but yeah, it all came together and it worked. And I was, I was, I think I was more surprised than anyone that it worked.
0: It, it seemed like that, what I liked about this movie is Many, I mean, most of the scenes, like just everything sort of progressed it forward, right? They didn't, didn't really seem like a lot of dead time in the movie. Like where I feel like there's, you know, when, wh- whether you're giving out exposition or whatever, or you move to other characters, like things sometimes kind of stall out and you feel like, oh, we're still here. But everything m- moved Vince forward in his journey. And I actually liked that ranch, like the whole ranch scene really, uh, really well, because it was like, he was tempted with something. He was, he was uh, thinking about, there's so much going on in his head regarding his relationship. And then to be tempted by, I don't remember her name, but like to be tempted by her and he, you know, he kind of looks at her and it's like, no, like, and then kind of, because I was, you know, again, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, is he going to do it? Like, is he going to give in to this temptation here? Um, And he didn't. And and when, when that happened, I just thought, Ooh, like okay, good. Like this is a man with principles, you know. And that's you know again, it speaks to your writing. Um, is um is there a, is there a part of this movie that you wish you would have expanded a little more on, like like in in maybe a different uh, in a particular set piece or even like narratively?
2: Uh no, the only and Anthony and myself talked about it. The only thing, just from like a, a writing perspective, if I could like do something again or something like that, I think I would probably like I have the high energy opening and then, um, but there's a span of like maybe 10 minutes that I, I wish I had another scene of tension or suspense or action. And I think, I think just that's the one like story beat that I look back on. It's not like I wish I put it there. It's just something you learn as you go. But um, yeah, if I could put something like that in the first 15 minutes, like maybe around the 10 minute mark, let's say, or 12, um, that's probably the only thing that I, if I could like fix, I probably would.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, but you did an amazing job with like it's so, and this is where he's amazing when it comes to, like just take something, make it better. He took a scene that was maybe like I don't know, twelve minutes, in, and he brought it back up to the front of the movie, yeah. which just which 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 really gave you what the balance you needed. What we we're talking about, which was like that slight edge or that actionness and i mean that excitement and it it worked out i mean it, it what a difference i mean who would have thought yeah. it would have been that big of a difference john then really well done yeah yeah and we're fortunate in that sense that i only had to move
2: one scene so like some sometimes you may have to move multiple scenes or cut scenes completely i don't think there was any scene that we cut
1: completely right was was there anything just the guy in the no we actually ended up using that footage didn't you? Yeah, we recycled. yeah
2: i recycled as much footage as i could so in the very beginning of the film, uh, when we have the monologue, Anthony's paying off uh, a cannabis inspector, Clark Moore, who's a great actor. He he was in Yellowstone. He played one of the Canadi- the lead Canadian Mountie when they're trying to go over the river and stuff like that.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah,
2: and he's got the, like he went from this pretty decent sized scene to just being uh, no dialogue, handing over or accepting cash. And so I had to reshoot that scene because we just Sometimes you're over-ambitious with a project like this. You're you're trying to squeeze so many locations in a day or so many pages in a day. And we we did great. That was from our first day. Clark ended up – what his original role was, was the cannabis inspector played by James Logan in downtown L.A., where we see downtown L.A. in the background. And Anthony's paying him off. He's like, hey, I don't want to to pay any more inspectors. So Clark had that originally – and we had to reshoot that just because I didn't like the location and all that stuff. But I recycled his footage and put it in the beginning and then tweaked the, the dialogue and the voiceover to include it. So we and I did that uh, several times, I think, like recycled footage that we had to that I put somewhere else just to make everything look bigger.
1: The wardrobe failure. Remember the- Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you recycled that, too. You ended up using that. I mean, it was so impressive, yeah, was- like. That's the thing. Like, you can make a mistake and get pissed off and say, no, I got... But in the, in what Jonathan was so great at was, like, accepting that this mistake is a gift. How else can I... It, let's let's use this mistake to my advantage. So he would use some of these, like, hiccups that we had or that wouldn't quite fit well into the story and find another home for them. That was, yeah, very impressed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there was a, a line right in the beginning that I didn't catch until... I think it was the third time I went through it. The third time I watched it was it was more of like it was a quick refresher last last night, but I caught it and it was the line was you could fit a small body in one of these barrels. And I thought, was that intentional? As like because that's where the guy is like he's in like so that's right in the beginning where he's he's like getting or paying for a bunch of weed in the beginning. And then uh, he gets ripped off later on uh, with a guy inside the barrel. Was that intentional to put that line there? hundred percent yeah okay yeah. i when i heard it i was like oh that's clever because i love i love when um when writers or directors do stuff like that like those little easter eggs because i i'll do i like to write uh i do um some fiction and i actually adapted one of my short stories to uh two episodes of a tv show i don't know what i plan on doing with it but like, I like to try and fit those things where I can, where it's like, it might be something that happens later that just gets kind of hinted at in the beginning. Um, was there, and I was trying to find other instances of that, but I just, I just wanted to commend you. That was very clever and really cool. So,
2: yeah, I wish, I wish I could take the credit in the sense that you're, that you perceived it. But I think, I think the benefit of being a writer director is I can fix a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. I'm doing both those jobs. So, like, you'll, you'll end up in post, you'll see something that may not be working. In this sense, like, I had to fix a lot of the vans. So we have the scene in the movie where they break into the van, we see the playback on the on the closed caption monitors or what whatever. And I didn't think it was coming across of where these people, where this person was in the van. So I did a little bit of ADR there, which was seamless. And then, and then in the beginning, I was like, "Oh, it might be fun to throw that line in there too, just to give a little hint." Yeah. So it wasn't it, it wasn't in the r- r- original screenplay, but um, but yeah, I think those are some of the fun things, like when you direct it, if you wrote it, or you can probably just do it as a director itself, like just throw those little fun things in there.
0: Yeah. Um, there was a question, Mr. Grant Gregory, big big helpful supporter, but he wanted to know what's the most new exciting piece of filmmaking technology you're looking forward to using in a future project. Um, I know like AI is a big thing. I don't know how much that affects filmmaking, mm. but is there anything um, like that that you're looking to to use in the future?
2: Um, the thing I'm most looking forward to doing, which I've told Anthony, is I want to blow something up. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's not new technology, but uh, I think it'd be fun. I really want to do it. I really want to at some point in my career, have that Mel Gibson, Danny Glover walking away from the house that blows up behind you.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. And,
2: and, and, like, do it like back in the day that they did it where like, there's pieces of shit falling from the sky and stuff, you know, like, like yeah. I, 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 I think for we'll like expand upon this more, but the rules with, with his, his, department there have changed so much over the years for how close the actual actors can be to these things blowing up and and at what point is it that you can't have the actor there you got to put the stunt person there but yeah i'd love to i'd love to do
1: some of that lethal weapon chain black stuff oh <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think it's just the opposite i want to go in the opposite direction of technology <laughs> and uh, everyone's running that way for like ai and the digital and this new like I guess, avatar kind of way of shooting. But like, I'm like, I want to go that way. (laughs) Like, I want to go, I want to go back to like try to do everything old school. Like, he's like, let's do it for real. Let's get, let's get back to the old ways of like lighting it and shooting it and and developing it and kind of like see how that holds up still these days. But again, it's the project, it's the story that you, you kind of want to base that around a lot too. But in my gut, that's the first thing I think of.
0: No I, I I totally understand and I think I think a lot of people like myself we we look at some of the modern movies and you know wish for a return to like a better a better blend I guess of practical effects and special effects because like I mean it, it, well in your guys film like you had um I mean without spoiling there's that one pretty gruesome scene by you know in the in the culvert there and like there's obviously like it, th- those special effects that you use are don't necessarily take away from the scene. Cause I think the gravitas of that scene with Vince and him is, is pretty big. Like, so I think you're concentrating more on like, Oh my God, like this is real now. Like, but sometimes you have to do that because of budget constraints or, or whatever. But, um, but no, I, I, I love, I love seeing like, real things flying everywhere or, you know, those behind the scenes documentaries of, you know, like when they did the matrix where they're all the uh, pillars and getting blown up and, you know, like just, it just, it's more visceral, more, more real for the audience. And, you know, our eyes can sort of detect those things Absolutely, a little bit off, you know, it kind of takes you out for a moment. Mm -hmm.
2: Anthony's worked with Christopher Nolan twice now and, and he's very practical. Like I think, I think, like, if you watch Oppenheimer, he was talking about the explosion. I think they did that practically. Yeah. Or something like that, like, some piece of that. Um, but, yeah, like, the technology is there. Like, v- v- VFX is amazing right now, like, the stuff you can do. Um, but, again, it, it's it's a tool. And I think, I think to your point, like, if you can combine the practical with the VFX, like, I, I know in the Dark Knight, um, there is a scene where a truck flips over. Um, I, I don't know. Did, did did you work that, Anthony? But the truck, the the truck that flips over, like I think the uh, I think they blow up something in the road and it comes over. That's a real truck that they they had flip over on a street. Jesus Christ, like to be to be on that set, like that's incredible. <laughs> yeah,
1: those Michael Bay movies. A lot of those guys, like when you can have the budget to do it, yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty scary too as a performer out there because. Some guys, uh, yeah, just run their ship a little bit different than other guys. And some of you feel much safer and others. You're like, my head has to be on a swivel at all times. Like, I gotta watch out because there's gonna be stuff flying everywhere. And yeah, it's like anything else. It's not exactly dead on all the time. And working with those departments are important. And I think you guys both make the, the best point. To me, that's exactly what it is. It's those brush strokes, those very fine blended brush strokes of the special effects going into reality to enhance it, to, to play with it. But to the point where it's not too much.
0: Yeah. 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 No, it, it, I, when I was, uh, I was just out of high school, like 20 years ago now. Um, it's weird. I, I feel like I haven't aged at all, but I'm realizing now I'm getting older. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like right out of high school, I, I did a, I was working on a, a commercial with this, this, uh, group. They were, they're trying to come up with a, a like, testimonial or not testimonial. Like, so they they were trying to build these uh, apartments near like in my hometown and the we're in a very historical town. So they were, they're basically creating a video that was like, we don't want this here. It was kind of funny. And one of the things they did was they, they pushed this old truck over a cliff. Like we went to a quarry, you know, the, the, these stunt guys or these uh, effects guys, like totally stripped this truck out. They got like, we like light it on fire we got to push it over the hill but we can't move it was it really showed me like what goes into even a 45 second spot like it was it was two days worth of of work that we were out there it was freezing cold you know and then you got the actor' standing out there doing 30 40 takes of this you know two or three lines um and of course you know I'm the kind, I'm the guy who's like running and getting stuff you know and then you know I help push the truck which was cool but you know we have one shot we have one truck they painted and like, if someone went past this line, it would have ruined the whole thing. Um, have you ever been on a set that just like someone totally bombed uh, a stunt and like ruined like a particular stunt or effect?
1: Oh, um, I'm sure I did at some point. <laughs> 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 was, I'm sure I did at some point. It happens all the time. I mean, like these guys like, crash into like where you're not supposed to. I mean, it's kind of part of the equation, uh, but ideally, you're dialing this in prior to going and shooting it on set, and that's what you don't remember too, like, there's a lot of rehearsal that goes into this, you know what I mean? Right. So, like, all the rehearsing, all that, like, when in the scene of Barry, there's this really simple scene, uh, I don't know, they just, these guys just disappear into, like, asylum, and it's like, it's like, they go into this little corn thing, and it's like, it's like, wow, and it's not very super action dramatic, but the guy that I know who coordinated it said that it's one of the most, it is like the hardest stunt he's ever coordinated. And I'm like, oh my God, like you've done insane stuff. He goes, building this, the physics to it, the mechanics to it, the safety, everything. Like he goes, you're looking at, they spent million, like millions of dollars on just building this on the, on the studio just to have this one crazy idea that pops out of Bill's head. And goes on paper. It's crazy, but yeah, there's been times where guys have messed stuff up. But for the most part, a lot goes into it. So hopefully, those mess ups typically end up being prior to shoot day. Uh, yeah. But it, it happens. Yeah, it's wild. You
0: guys are like stunt people, and the like, effects people are like magicians. You know, like taking something and you know, like I just I can't even fathom like how to like you know I know there's ways to fall. You know, obviously you can fall down stairs, but like. It's just wild to me that like you, you just fall downstairs eleven times. I mean, you cracked your head open once, but yeah. like some people can't even not crack their head open once from you know <laughs> you go downstairs yeah.
1: one time. And there's falls and there's wrecks, and that separates guys too. And you know, as a coordinator, as a director, as a casting, you're casting them based off of like what you know they pot, what they what they're good at, mm-hmm. and like yeah, it's the best job ever. I mean, it's the coolest group of guys. We go in, we wreck the set, everyone claps for us. <laughs> we don't have to clean up the mess then we get paid for it we're like this is amazing <laughs> I mean, this
2: is unbelievable
1: I can't believe this <laughs> so I mean it's one of the I mean to me it's one of the best departments on set as far as I'm concerned I'm so proud to be a stunt guy you know what I, mean? I mean I love this art of acting and this per- this pursuit of this uh, career but like yeah that's that'll always be my roots and my foundation of stunts okay um I'm interested, I
0: kind of like a last minute sort of thought of this, but is there like a movie, probably a movie for you, Jonathan, and like a performance for you, Anthony, that you, you think of, uh, when you're trying to elevate yourself to like the next level, like, you know, people like hype themselves up, it might be something that they did, or maybe you're thinking of a role that someone else did and you're like, I need to, that's what I'm going for. You know, like, is there something that you you're going for Anthony?
1: Oh me, um yeah. So the first thing that comes to my mind is um Anthony Hopkins, like anything he does, you know what I mean? It's so brilliant. And like recently I watching Jason Bateman so quietly just kill it in like in air. I watched him, and it's like that's so subtle and so beautiful, and like it's just so unseen in a way. Like you talk about that magician, that magic show. Uh, but for me, uh, it's usually always the project that I'm working on right now, and I'm currently working on one, and I love this character. But I guess when I think about a, a time or more of a, a, a preparation for inspiration was everything, everywhere, all at once. I played this cop, and like right prior to that, I went to like this beautiful spot up in Big Sur called Esalen. I was actually, actually in the middle of it. I, I left the workshop just for a day just to go shoot it, and then I ran right back up to Big Sur. But I was in this beautiful place of transformation and I love my performance on that. So that has taught me to like, hey, practice the art of like taking care of yourself, loving yourself, and you're going to get a much better performance out of yourself.
0: Nice. I like that.
1: Jonathan, what about you? Uh, I think for me, it's more of there's
2: like a mixing bowl of filmmakers that I'm always like, like inspired by. And it's like the Sergio Leone spaghetti Westerns. Like the '40s, '50s noirs, um, and then and then like Christopher Nolan being one right now. Like, like I think for me, it's like like looking at those and like the different qualities that those present. Like the westerns have like comedy, but action, really good stories, and a lot of the Eastwood stuff. Really like I like the way Eastwood is always portrayed in films. Like, um, so it it, it it it's like that kind of like. Overlooking
0: thing that I think I'm always like thinking of. Okay. Yeah. It's, I, I always think of, um, I, I love watching movies like in following directors to one being Nolan. I just, I always love his films. I just like Inception is just one of my favorite like narrative tales. Like it, I could watch that movie a thousand times. And I know people give me crap for it and they're like, oh, it's so convoluted. And yeah, cool. yeah, I'm yeah. Like, really? Like, yeah. And I, I know people like yeah. it, but, I just think it's one of DiCaprio's, like, best roles. Like, I think he just nailed it. Um, what's that?
2: Oh, Inception. I was thinking of uh, Interstellar, which I have on my wall over here.
0: Well, that one, too. <laughs> that one, too. Like, McConaughey is another one who, like, absolutely nails that. And I think the story there with, you know, the, the, the father-daughter relationship really hit me harder once I became a dad. You know, like, that story becomes so much more... Emotional when you when you realize like like imagine if you left your kid like to save humanity but like the next time you saw them they you wouldn't even recognize them like it's like give me the chills right now like you know but that that sort of like layered storytelling that he does um, is great and um, Darren Aronofsky is another one who I really like who's like just like his from Pie all the way through like The Fountain is actually my, one of my favorite movies by him and I know people don't particularly like that but again the layered storytelling of that and sort of how you can take it and it's it's just like multi-dimensional and you can sort of make it whatever you want and it's probably a story that was really hard to tell in the time that he did it um like the time you know the runtime that he did but uh no I, I just i love following people and seeing how they sort of develop through their career and especially directors i think it's uh I think you learn a lot, like you said. There's there's things you sort of learn on the fly, um, while you're making a movie, um, and these guys obviously have learned from their mistakes along the way. The one Aronofsky film I haven't seen yet is The Whale, and I really I know I need to see that. It's it's uh, it's on my list. Yeah. But, uh, the, the
2: the interesting thing about the three films you mentioned there is is the soundtracks, music to all three. Like The Fountain is like so heavy, like soundtrack driven. And Inception, Interstellar, like I think there's something there with storytelling and not needing a lot of dialogue.
0: Oh yeah, Um, it's something that I, uh, so when I write, when I sit down and I'm like trying to pump out 2,000 words like for for my story, I, I put music on but I usually put on like I'll put on a mix for like Hans Zimmer or John Williams or something like that just so I can sort of get myself in that like theatrical mood like how would these words move like on screen or how do I see these, you know, like, and I put it to the backdrop of that a lot of times. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, Cause it sort of manipulates my uh, emotions a bit, but uh, I, I've certainly thought that move, the, the musical score is something that's really underappreciated with movies a lot of times. And I know, you know, like Hans Zimmer and John Williams, they're, they're world renowned. Everyone knows who they are, but um, it's, it it carries a lot of weight. It carries a lot of moods. And, um, and like you said, in all those movies, it really, I think helped carry the emotional weight behind some of the moments. Um, and even in your film, uh, Jonathan, like the, the music in that was, was really, really good. Um, and again, I don't, I'm not sure what your budget was, but like, you know, it, it was, Right. it's a small budget right it's
1: very small uh, but you wouldn't know it,
0: it.
1: it was a little more than that but yeah but it was pretty much your money like the, the money you had and the very little money that we had and like I mean yeah it was yeah the licenses awful. and stuff like that
2: were very minimal like we we actually I, I'm i actually I'm, no I'm falsifying too much We we did have a budget but still like you're talking like less than seven thousand (laughs) dollars
0: oh wow that's that's a small budget
2: like including including the composer so compute composer plus licensing all the the music um yeah
0: but yeah no that that was one of the first things that stuck out to me because when i watch a movie it's it's not even something i'm particularly looking for but like subconsciously i'm always picking up on those musical tones because it always carries weight for me and it did it really did, especially in sort of the final like in the crescendo uh, of the whole movie like it just I felt like again, it felt connected and that's and that's the music and that's your' acting you know all of that stuff like sort of pulled it together um into a really like the whole movie was an emotional roller coaster for me and uh it's something that I've told many people about since I've watched it, and to be here with you guys and be able to chat with you about it and all and everything is again, it's sort of a, a dream come true. And I I thank you for your time, of course.
1: Thanks.
0: Right. Yeah, um, I did thank have a, a just a couple more questions for you guys. I know you were uh, winding down here, but. Um, Jonathan, as a as a director, what is your philosophy when it comes to working with actors and getting the best performances out of them? And sort of how do you create a collaborative and supportive environment on set to bring out the authenticity and emotional depth of the characters?
2: I, I think I think it comes to trust, like trusting them. I, I trusted Anthony. Like we're talking a lot before we start, um, so there's a lot of preparation there, and, and trust the preparation. Trust. Where you both are coming from, I don't rehearse. Like, there's no, there's re- rehearsals on set, but not prior to the shoot day, and um, and then and then just letting them go. Like, I don't, I don't direct the first um, performance. Like, so the first time Andy's on screen or we're shooting, I don't give them anything. And I don't do that for. Probably a few takes, or maybe even a few points of coverage. You know, I, I kind of want to see what you have because I think I think you you have that one moment where your actor is bringing everything that they know and want to play with, and to and to put a, a governor on that and can really hurt hurt you. But then I think that then I think the director's job comes in to keep it like within the lines of the film and where it should go, and like just tap it this way or tap it that way, and like hey, you know, I'm looking to to make it look like this, but, and then just create a very safe environment. You want them to always feel very safe uh, that they can explore because we're dealing with people watching a movie and it's hyper reality that you're seeing faces so close up that you wanna see their lip quiver or their eye twitch or something like that. And you're not gonna get that by over directing somebody. You want them to be their true self and then, and then adapting to what your actor is giving you. You know um so that's kind of the way i come from and then and then i i stay by the monitor all the time and i'm right by the camera and and if it looks real to me, then i know it'll be real when we cut it together
0: okay anthony can you confirm everything he said <laughs> <laughs>
1: Half of it. Uh, i'm just there for the ride
0: <laughs> nice. uh, i think that's i think that's brilliant i think it's something i've learned about like being in positions of management obviously i've never made a movie or anything, but. uh film is actually a place that I wanted to start. Uh, I was going to film school originally just like at a smaller uh, private school in New Jersey. And I really thought that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, after listening to some of the professors and like what, what, what like actually shooting and directing movie took, I was like, I took the coward's way out. I was like, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. But what I realized was that that writing was the side that I wanted to be on. If I ever wanted to get into Hollywood or, or anything was, I want to write the stories that, that, you know, people like you, Anthony can, um, can act out or, you know, Jonathan could properly, you know, direct, you know, it's like, I always, I always have good vision of, I think I have good vision of, of uh, story and character. And, uh, so I'm working on one right now that I hope to maybe someday like push around and, and, and chop around, but, uh, you know, it's, I'm the passion behind what I do is like, I, I just want to tell a good story that people can timelessly connect with. And not feel like oh I can only watch this now and I could never I can never watch it you know ten years from now it wouldn't be relevant anymore, um, but uh, no it's uh, it's it's uh, it, so that's like seeing your story like it seeing the different threads that you were tying through it uh, Jonathan um, you know being the the, la- the very last deal you know putting everything you have into it um, was really cool. Um, Thank you. Uh, one more question for you, Anthony. I said, um, so you've acted in a lot of films. Um, like, what was it like going from being a, a young kid in Worcester to being a lead actor and, uh, you know, being in Hollywood? Mind blowing.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. How to, um, surreal. Like it's weird. Uh, you know what? It's like it's funny. It's a, it's as surreal and as perfect as it should be. Because like, what you said it best earlier just a few minutes like passionate you're passionate about right and like that's kind of where I feel like uh, I've allowed myself to accept those feelings of passion in my life where I have not really thought too hard and I just went so I was passionate about like playing sports so I went to a college and I played sports at a level where I could know I could play um, and then I was passionate about teaching. So I went and I taught preschool for 10 years. And then I was passionate about stunts. So I went and did stunts for 15 years. Now I'm passionate about acting. I've been doing that for like the last 10 years. So I am just open to life and in, in inviting like, and in listening to those signs of what I'm passionate about. And no matter where I am, pivoting on a dime. I mean, give it a shot. You never know. And I think that's how I ended up here was just kind of being fluid like that.
0: That's cool um mr grant gregory the question earlier it was just what what's easier fourth grade teacher or getting hit by a car oh my uh, god
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, i teacher. mean yeah yeah i'll just say like getting hit by a car all day long <laughs> now how many uh. hits by that car uh, who who's shooting this clint eastwood <laughs> right. fincher because if it's eastwood all day long fincher Now i don't know i mean now we have a run for his money <laughs> yeah.
0: um and you know, just because it's cliche, and I feel like it just needs to be asked. In your guys, like for you guys, what is the best movie of all time? Like when you when you sit down, and you think this is the movie I can watch a thousand times, hands down. What do you What are you I popping in?
1: It. I, I, like the first, I mean, I, I don't try to again. I don't try to think too much. And Cinema Paradiso is the first thing that popped into my head. Sure. Okay. Um, I but like I love Forrest Gump. But yeah, Cinema Paradiso, I get. I feel like that was one of the movies when I was a kid, and I haven't watched it in a while, but like it just the I think about what impacted me the most. I mean, what really resonated in my heart, and like a movie like that and Forrest Gump's in those times in my life were probably, yeah, for sure. Cool, Jonathan. What about you? It's such a tough choice, but if you're looking at like for me,
2: what I think is the greatest movie of all time, I probably would say Sunset Boulevard. Oh, okay. Nice. Just, just, just—you know—you got a director that wrote it, and the way they made that story back then, the, you didn't see anything like that back then, um, and it holds up. So there's that. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, well, for me, just, just, just uh, because I feel it's important to share, I, for a long time, mine was The Shawshank Redemption, um, and then as I started delving more into film, I changed it to Twelve Angry Men. Um okay. Twelve Angry Men I think is one of the best films of all time. Um just like from every point of view almost, like how it was shot, dialogue, the casting. Yeah. Um it was just brilliant. And I if I could if I could be in a time machine and go back and just like hang out on that set, that that's what I would do for the day to learn. Like so so awesome, Um and all in black and white too. So it's uh Aww. just has everything for me. The black and white
1: that who did my the one we're shooting right now. It's called uh, he wants he basing it off of uh, the last picture show. Oh, nice! Uh, wow! One, I never okay. saw this before until like just this past two weeks. I am like blown away. Yeah, like just blown away with the stardom and like the way they shot it. The the timing where they were at that time. It just I, I it's a great it. movie. It's a great movie. You know? I, I, I love the Sam the, the Lion monologue
2: where he's at the turtle pond. Yeah. And, and they're like, yeah, there's nothing here but, but these turtles. And Sam the Lion talks about the passing of time and, and what he would have did if he could go back in time with the girl. And he goes, it's, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's I've, beautiful. I've watched, I've watched that monologue probably like 100 times. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah. Um, and they really, called it a tank, not a pond, right? Was it a tank? Yeah, it's
2: like there's nothing but turtles in this tank.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, tank? there ain't nothing but turtles right. in this tank. Wow. I used to come out here. Oh,
0: and that great. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. The and, that, and that's really like where I, I think like a lot of these older movies and even your movie, Jonathan, um, you know, The Last Deal has what makes a lot of these films great is that you could like turn the sound off on them and understand like how this movie is going. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, obviously dialogue is necessary sometimes and I love the music in your film, but I could probably watch the movie on silent and understand where this character is going and where he's been. Um, So beautifully said. Yeah. So brilliant job, man. And I just want to thank you guys again um, for joining me today. Um, this has been, you know, really, it's been educational. It's been entertaining for me to, to sit down and talk with you guys and and get to know your film a little bit more, Jonathan. Get to know you, Anthony. Um, you know, I hope I wish you guys all the, the best of luck in the future. Um, guys, make sure you guys check out Jonathan and Anthony's film, The Last Deal. It is available to stream on Amazon and, I believe, Apple TV. Um, it is great. I've I've watched it three times now. Well, I have to finish the third viewing. But um, one question I wanted to ask you, Jonathan, is your movie, Annie Up, is it available digital anywhere?
2: It's available for a screening at my house once every 10 years. <laughs>
0: let me know when i can come over and watch because i watched the trailer to it and i was dying i was like why can't i watch this right now this is great
2: yeah no it never got i was so young when i made that i never got distribution on it i should probably put it out there but it just uh it's kind of a i hate to call it a souvenir but it's uh yeah
0: (laughs) well i hope we can see it one day the trailer made it look Really cool, something that I was really interested in. Just fun, in like, again, it shows your range as a director, as I said in, the, in my original introduction, like it, I, I would love to see it someday. Hopefully you can get some distribution on it and, and people can see it. Um, yeah. But is there anything that you guys want to plug while you're here, um, things that you're working on or, or places that people can find you? Uh, go ahead, Jonathan.
2: Yeah, I'd say uh, please check out The Last Deal. It's on Amazon, Apple, like you said, Voodoo, Google, YouTube um and uh yeah please uh, go check uh, there, there's the website uh, www.thelastdealmovie.com we have the instagram which is very active i think it's last deal movie um but yeah please uh hope they can check it out
0: Yes, and I have all his links, too, in the in the, right. in the description, too, so you guys can check that out there. Right. Anthony, I, I saw that you're not really on, uh, you're, you have an Instagram page, but you're not, like, on Twitter or anything. What What do you, is there anything that you can share that you're working on or places
1: that people can find you? Oh, um, no, I don't really, I'm not really findable. I, I kind of don't know where I'm going to later today. I don't know. Where to, but yeah, as far as, like, checking things out, um, no, I guess just just check yourself out, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really have much update. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i working, it's fun, but yeah, just um, check out yourself, make sure you're in, in doing what you're doing and what you want to do. And, and if you're not, what can you do today to start creating that?
2: Anthony's For- kind of like Marcello Mastrioni in, in La Dolce Vita. He's just going through life and amazing things just coming friendly- through. <laughs> That's great.
1: Well, let hey, us if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? right. <laughs> yeah.
0: What us nerds like to say is um is go out and touch grass. That's what we tell grass. each other. You know, it's, or it's less warm- less
1: than grass. I don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, both. Right? How you do both? Put your feet in the grass and have the sun touching your face. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> Get them all. Um, no, uh, thank thank you guys again so much for your time. You uh, I hope you guys have an awesome day. <laughs> I hope um, you know we get to talk in the future. You guys have been awesome. If you're ever out in Utah at Sundance, shoot me a message, uh, shoot me an email or whatever. We'd love to to hang out with you guys and, and talk with you more. Um, for the chat, thank you guys so much. We'll roll the credits and let these guys head out. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, thank you. Yeah.